Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sports Podcast. I'm your host for today, Justin Roman. And guys, today uh, I want to talk about uh, my New York Yankees. Um, guys, um, spring training is almost here. Um, the Yankees will be playing the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays on the 28th of February. Don't miss it. It's going to be one interesting uh, game to watch. But, guys, um, I just want to talk about my Yankees really quick just because the Yankees, um, we've done, it looks like the Yankees, from what I'm seeing from uh, this great baseball team, obviously the Yankees are trying to get back into the World Series and try to win their 28th, 29th World, uh, world Championship. Um, but, guys, I just want to talk about the Yankees because there was a question on CBS Sports now I'm in CBS Sports. Even you guys have been asking me this. Um, Justin, um, are the, you guys been asking me, Justin, are the Yankees the AL East? Uh, you guys been asking me, Justin, can the Yankees uh, become the AL East team to beat heading into two, heading into the 2021 season? So obviously, guys, um, from what I'm hearing from a lot of sources. And from CBS Sports, the Rays are the odds are favoring the the uh, the the Rays to win the AL East um, in 2021, but the Yankees are the favorites. Um, are the Yankees um, the team to beat? Uh, look, the calendar has flipped to February. You know, and spring training is only one short week away. MLB and MLBPA have agreed to the necessary health and safety protocols. So spring training and the regular season will begin as scheduled. Assuming the uh, pandemic cooperates, cross your fingers, everyone. Throughout the offseason, my fellow, um, throughout the offseason, CBS Sports, MLB, uh, scribes, and I will bring you a week. I'm gonna bring you guys a weekly roundtable breaking down well, pretty much anything. The latest news, a historical question, thoughts about the future of baseball, all sorts of stuff. You know, um, so guys, we're just gonna go to tackle the new look. Uh, we're gonna just go, we're just gonna go through the new look in the AL East. Um, obviously, you guys have been asking me, um, a really a simple question, Justin, who is the team to beat in the AL East? Look it. I'm inclined to say the Yankees. And I'm not and this is not and this is not me. This is not me as this is not me coming as a Yankees fan. Because you guys know I'm the biggest Yankees fan probably in the entire world. This is not I'm not saying this because I'm not saying this just I'm not trying to say that the Yankees can become one of the one of the most dangerous teams in the MLB. In the, well, they actually can. You know, the Yankees are a tough team. You know, we just signed Corey Kluber, who is gonna who is gonna be uh, pitching with um, Garrett Cole. That's gonna be one scary uh, duo right there. You know, but here's here's what I think can. Uh, I think the team to be. I think I'm inclined to say the Yankees. That's no offense to the Blue Jays. Who, whose efforts to improve this offseason have been noted and appreciated. I just think, in my opinion, the Yankees have the better lineup and better bullpen, and both teams have question marks in their rotations. Though I also think Garrett Cole is more certain than 
Hyunjin Ryu, you know. So far as their uh, respective uh, short things go, the Blue Jays still might end up winning this division if the Yankees have the worst go at it with the injuries. The defending champions, which are, which are the Rays, by the way, still feel likely to make another move or two. But until they do, it's hard to see them as better than either or both. Another Here's another, I think, another reason why the Yankees are uh, the team to beat in the AL East is, look it. I have no doubt the Rays will find a way to somehow have an above-average pitching staff. I'm not even remotely buying their rotation behind uh, Tyler Glasnow. And he's a health concern as it is. Meanwhile, the Yankees have... The Yankees just have so much offensive firepower and a better rotation. I actually have the Rays third in the division. I'm very intrigued by the Blue Jays and think they have a real shot of pushing the Yankees. They just need so much to break right with their rotation that I'm not seeing <clears throat> that I'm not seeing it. You know, at this point, you know, I lean, you know, at this point, although it could be either the Yankees or the Blue Jays, you know, I think the Blue Jays could win it, you know. I think the Yankees or the Blue Jays are the team to beat in the AL East. And here's here I already gave I already gave you my information about the Yankees. Here's why I think the Blue Jays could win it, you know. Well, for one, I think the Blue Jays they're they're a regression risk in some key spots as for the reigning AL champs. The Rays, I know the roster churn model has worked for them for the last handful of seasons, but I think it has its limits in terms of sustainability. The Yankees rotation concerns are duly noted, but I think they have the A I think they have the AL East best offense and the AL East's top starting pitcher as well as a potentially uh as a potentially strong bullpen. I think that's enough in what could be a tight one, two, three finish in the division. You know? But. You know, but overall. Um, and, oh, wait. Oh, wait, no. I, I, was, I was about to say something else. Also, here's another reason why the Blue Jays can win it. The Blue Jays have definitely improved this offseason. And when you have that much young talent, it can come together very quickly. I think there are I think they are the clear number or number two team in this division now that the Rays have taken a step back. The Rays will contend in 2021, no doubt, for sure. But they lost a lot of good innings in Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. And I don't love their offense. If Randy Arizona if Randy Arozarena didn't do something uh, heroic in the postseason, they didn't score. But overall, I have my Yankees winning this. But overall, I have my Yankees winning this, uh, winning this tough division. Because one, New York's biggest pit, pitfall is injury risk. It's not talent. You know, it's injuries, and they have a knack for turning unheralded pickups into quality contributors like Gio Horshella. Do it once, and do it once, and it might be a fluke. 
do it as many times as the Yankees have done over the years. And it's a skill. I think it's kind of dumb the Yankees are ducking under the $210 million luxury tax threshold this season. They realize they won't have this core together in it. And in its prime forever, right? But in my opinion, I still think that I still think the Yankees are going to be the best team in the AL East and probably the best team in the American League overall. The Blue Jays and Rays won't go quite the blue for the Blue Jays and Rays. Both of those teams won't go quietly, though. You know, don't sleep on the Blue Jays and Rays. You know, so. And for, you know, and look, I think both Tampa and Toronto have first place worthy rosters. But for now, I'll say that the Yankees' healthy power hitters will be what makes. I think what I think what make what I think the one thing that's gonna make the Yankees uh much better than the the Blue Jays and the um, the Blue Jays and the Rays is one thing. Is having first place worthy rosters, and not only that, but the Yankees have a the Yankees have a much healthier power. They have way they have much healthier power hitters. That would that's gonna be what makes them them the team to beat in the AL East, especially considering a lot of success of the Yankees' 2021 rotation depends on the health of their new starters. So if the Yankees want to win. I think the Yankees can win this division. You know, they just need to stay healthy. That's all I got to say about that. But it's going to be, I think it, this is going to be a, it's going to be, a, this is going to be a really a fun, it's going to be a really interesting season. You know, um, the Yankees, Blue Jays, and I'm taking the Yankees, but I'm not sleeping on the Blue Jays and Rays, you know, both talented teams. It's going to be a, it's going to be a pig fight. That's all I got to say. But I'm going to take the Yankees winning it. I'm going to say the uh, Yankees will be a team to beat in the uh, AL East. Okay, guys, let's talk. Let's get to football. Um, Guys, um, let's talk about the New York Giants really quick. Um, Guys, um, Uh, guys, today I'm gonna, guys. I'm just gonna talk about uh, my uh, my mock draft really quick. This is like my this is like my this is I'm not really I don't really like get into my mock drafts, but I I want to do it because I want to let you guys know because I want to do this because I care about you and yeah. So guys, um, here's my mock draft for Daniel Jones and how he can succeed next season. Um, look, the Giants need to hit on their upcoming 2021 draft class. After a nice rookie draft class in 2020, along with an unproven 2019 rookie class, the Giants need to hit again in a pivotal offseason. It all starts with consistency, and the front office must identify men of integrity, character, and durability who can stay healthy, not be uh, not be distractions, and make plays to contribute all over the field. The Giants haven't done nearly a good. The Giants overall haven't done nearly a good enough job 
drafting this entire decade, and especially in recent seasons. But the fresh blood of Joe Judge and his staff has invorgated confidence in John Mira, and he feels this team is back on the right path. So, guys, um, uh, let's. I'm just gonna, guys, let's. Uh, we're gonna take a look at how I'm gonna uh, share you guys. I'm gonna just explain to you guys and. We're just going to take a look at how the Giants might approach this draft. I'm going to explain it to you guys, you know, and some prospects to be sure you may hear called come April. So, guys, heading in round one. So, the Giants hold. So, in uh, round one, the Giants have the 11th overall pick. Um, Obviously, the, Gi- the biggest, uh, obviously, this is no-brainer. This is not a no-brainer right here. Um, obviously, I got the Giants taking wide receiver Jalen Waddle from Alabama. And here's why. Um, look, at, in round one, Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge stay with the theme of offense for the fifth straight year for the, for the New York Giants. The Giants' offense has to look different next year. And here, we're giving Daniel Jones a shiny new weapon from uh, Coach Judge's old stomping grounds. Enter Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle electrified uh, Tuscaloosa in the SEC for three years while helping bring another national championship to the Crimson Tide. In three seasons, Jalen uh, Waddle ac- uh, acum- uh, accumulated, accumulated actually, my bad, can't even talk. Accumulated 106 receptions for 1,999 yards and 17 receiving touchdowns. He also racked up another 947 return yards on both punts and kicks while taking two punts for six and a kick return for a touchdown as well in his first two seasons with Alabama. Waddle would be a dream fit on the New York Giants. He is an explosive weapon who can break any reception into a big one, which is something the Giants have sorely missed since Odell Beckham Jr. Um, now, if you're going to... So look at Waddle. In my eyes, he would add much-needed speed, route-running ability, a home-run threat, and a raw natural and raw natural talent to the wide receivers room that currently lacks in those four departments. And other names that other names, uh, other names that can be considered is uh, tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida, cornerback Patrick Certain uh, from Alabama. And wide receiver Devontae Smith from Alabama as well. Okay, guys, going into round two, the Giants hold uh, uh, the 40. In, in the second round of the draft, the Giants hold the 40, uh, 43rd. Over, the Giants have the 43rd uh, overall pick. And look it. Yes, you're probably saying, Justin, are the Giants. Do you think the Giants can go after um, uh, a, def- a defender or a cornerback? No. I think the Giants really need to put more, um, more work and put more investment in this offensive line. I think the Giants need to go after my boy Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, who is an offensive lineman. And here's why. The Giants double dip on offense to focus on stabilizing the offense line and further giving Jones help 
out front. Here, the Giants look no further than Wyatt Davis from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Davis, in my eyes, is a highly regarded lineman from one of the premier conferences in college football at producing NFL linemen. Davis was a three-year starter for the Buckeyes, helping lead the way for dominant rushing attacks and giving guys like my boy Justin Fields plenty of time to throw consistently. Davis enters the draft as one of as a one-time All-American, three-time Big Ten champion, and has one and has one CFP appearance under his belt. Davis can immediately challenge for a starting job at, at either right or left guard. In the scenario where the Giants cut Kevin Zeitler, he could slot in at right guard and start. He could also look to challenge Will, uh, Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux at left guard, who both left much to be desired on the field with their play in 2020. And another names you can consider is edge and outside linebacker uh, Jalon Phillips or linebacker uh, Jalon Phillips from uh, Miami or linebacker Chaz Surratt from UNC. So guys, going into the third round with the 75th overall pick, I think this, it doesn't really matter. This draft is really talent, talented, and I would love it if the Giants go after corner, uh, not quarterback, cornerback, CB, going after a cornerback, and that his name is Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. Here is why. Brace yourselves, Giants fans. The longtime foe and notorious Giants killer, Asante Samuel, is back in the NFL. No, not the one who used to terrorize quarterbacks and bait them into constant mistakes. But his son, but his son Asante Jr., is ready to create his own name for himself. Giants fans may best remember Samuel for dropping the potential game-clinching interception. You know, in the Super Bowl, and the Giants have famously beat the then undefeated Patriots. On the very next play, Eli Manning would connect with David Tyree for arguably the greatest play in any Super Bowl ever, and the rest is history. Samuel Jr. was a three-year player for Florida State, where he became a ball-hawking corner for the uh, Seminoles. Uh, uh, Samuel Jr. racked up four interceptions along with 29 pass deflections two forced fumbles, and 97 tackles in his ACC career. Samuel Jr. also looks the part at cornerback and likely will be able to to play both inside in the slot and outside on the boundary. He is impressive in both man and zone coverage, where he has a knack for finding the football and making plays on it. The Giants secondary could use more playmakers, Amante Samuel Jr. could fit right in the help lockdown uh, and lock down the corner spot across from James Bradbury. The secondary was surprisingly nice, was surprisingly a nice unit in 2020, but needs to keep being built and improved over time. Samuel would bring an NFL pedigree with NFL pipelines in his blood along with another man capable of stopping quarterbacks in today's pass-happy league. And guys, in the fourth round for the 116th overall pick, I think the Giants, uh, I think they should go after another rookie receiver. 
And that is Wafillier from Indiana. And here is why. Offense, you have to remember, offense becomes the dominant theme of the Giants, uh, to, of the New York Giants 2021 draft with this round four pick. Here we have the Giants taking a Wap, uh, Wap, uh, Filior, the gritty receiver from Indiana. Wap was a four year player for the Hoosiers where he helped change the culture and led the way to back-to-back bowl appearances along with putting IU on the national cha- uh, national map for the first time ever gaining college football's respect. WAP's most productive season came in 2019 when he collected 70 catches for 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. This past season, WAP toughed it out through injury and battled to 495 yards and three touchdowns. Filior is known for his toughness, his commitment to maximum effort. He catches uh, contested balls and run routes into traffic. And he is a refined route runner who can make guys miss in the open field with his shifty moves and nifty cuts. Filior would again add another element missing from this offense he can become a true possession receiver for daniel jones and be a reliable option to move the chains and be a steady figure on third downs wap is a high intensity high effort player who has fun playing and always has a smile on his face while while doing so Adding him and Jalen Waddle into an offense with Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and Saquon Barkley, and the Giants may, the Giants may, you know, the Giants, the Giants may have something brewing again offensively in 2021. And other names you can uh, consider is Tutu Adwell from Louisville and Nico Collins from Michigan. And guys, for the for the last pick, which is the sixth pick, uh, the last pick, um, in, in round six of the draft, the Giants hold 170 uh, second overall pick. I think the Giants should go after a linebacker, who is a fellow teammate for uh, Tay Crowder, linebacker Monty Rice from Georgia State. Oh, no, for Andrew Thomas. <clears throat> Monty Rice was a productive, rangy four-year player in the SEC lineup. Lining up for the Georgia uh, defense, Rice enter, enters the NFL at six foot one, 235 pounds. As an undersized, speedy linebacker that can make plays in space and has decent coverage skills, Rice plays with an engine similar to that of Tate Crowder's, who was Mr who was Mr. Irrelevant as a linebacker coming out of Georgia last season. Oh, yeah, it was Tate Crowder. My bad. Rice had 219 tackles, two sacks, three forced fumbles, and one recovery and five pass deflections. Rice looks, to me, Rice looks like a high upside pick with the ability to provide another linebacker that can help the Giants pass defense. The two former Bulldogs and Crowder and Monty Rice would look good in blue together, helping Blake Martinez line the defense up and form a nice depth chart at linebacker. Oh, guys, never mind. I told you I can't speak today. I forgot there's 
the Giants have two six-round picks. And guys, another the Giants also hold the 177th overall pick in the sixth round, in round six of the draft. Uh, I think the Giants, um, I think they should go after a tight end. Um, Evan Ingram hasn't been looking great, you know. Obviously, the Giants won't have a chance uh, to get... Um, Obviously, the Giants won't. They won't get the chance to get uh, Kyle Pitts from Florida State, but they will get another guy, and he is he, Daniel Jones. Will probably will, prob, will probably play pretty good. This guy, Noah Gray, tight end from Duke, and here's why: the Giants' last pick. We give Daniel Jones another player to be excited about and a familiar face. Gray was at Duke for Jones. Uh. Uh, Noah Gray was at Duke for Daniel Jones' last two seasons. Although never a featured premier player, Gray has been a reliable presence at tight end where he can make plays in the passing game with soft hands and crisp uh, routes. More importantly, he has shown a willingness to block, something that has been sorely missed from the Giants' tight ends for several years. With Evan Ingram being so untrustworthy, the impending cut of Levine Toilolo, and the lack of production from Caden Smith, the team needs more from their tight ends. With any luck, Noah Gray develops into a nice piece and a steal for the Giants in round six. So yeah, guys, that's my mock draft. Hope you guys liked it. Okay, guys, let's talk about the Dallas Cowgirls, uh, Dallas Cowboys, whatever, whatever you want to call them. So, guys, there was, re- there was a report today on NBC Sports two hours ago. Um, there was a report by Mike Florio. Mike Florio reported today saying that the Cowboys need to get Dak Prescott signed before a franchise tag deadline. Okay, my thoughts on this. Well, look. <clears throat> In a normal year, the practical deadline for signing a franchise tag player to a long-term deal arrives on July 15th. For the Cowboys, this year's deadline as it relates to quarterback Dak Prescott should move. Because Prescott earned $31.4 million under the franchise tag in 2020. He'll be entitled to a 20% raise if tagged again in 2021. That equates to $37.68 million. With the cap expected to drop in 2021. Possibly all the way to $180 million. That's a lot to dedicate to the starting quarterback. Indeed, if the cap lands at $180 million, Prescott will consume nearly 21% of it on his own. It makes far more sense. It, it, it makes, it do, okay, listen, it does, it does make far more sense for the Cowboys to get Prescott signed to a long-term deal with a much lower 2021 cap charge before the deadline for applying the franchise tag arrives. Last year, the talks bogged down over the length of the contract. Prescott wanted four years. The Cowboys wanted five. This year, Prescott should hold even more firm on a four-year deal. 
we have to understand that length will be the easy part. Value becomes more difficult. Given the Patrick Mahomes, given that Patrick Mahomes has new money average of $45 million and that Deshaun Watson gets $39 million, there's another important factor, factor at play here. Contract value at signing. Watson's contract has an average value at signing of $29.11 million. Mahomes' deal has an average value at signing of $39.8 million. Of course, Mahomes signed a 12-year deal. Oh, not 12-year, 12-year deal, 10-year deal. Watson signed a four-year extension. Prescott, if he signs a four-year deal, he will be back at the table after the 2024 season. So the question is, what will it take? Four years in a $130 million deal would result in an average of $32.5 million. With, for example, a $60 million signing bonus and a $5 million salary for 2021, Prescott would have a cap number of $20 million. Additional guarantees would be needed, and there would be cash flow details to negotiate regardless if the Cowboys still believe Prescott is their guy. This is the kind of deal that every Cowboys fan want that every Cowboys fans, even reporters want them to make. Before they even have to squeeze the rest of the cap around a salary of 37.68 million dollars. That's one more reason to get the deal done before the franchise tag deadline. If the Cowboys applied the tag to Dak a second time, He'd be entitled to a 44% bump over his latest cap number if franchise tagged at any point in the future. To best deal with the coming cap crunch and to best manage the relationship when the next contract expires, the Cowboys need to prioritize completing the Dak Prescott contract before he receives what would be a one-year deal worth a whopping $37.68 million. I don't understand this. I simply don't understand this. Why would you want to resign a quarterback that one that was supposed to play on his franchise tag didn't even get a chance to do that because he got hurt in week five against the Giants? I'm not resigning Dak just because I know this is all this is not about money. This is about Dak improving and Dak trying to win a Super Bowl. You're not going to win. We don't even, we don't even, if I'm Dak, I'm going to stop and think about this because the Cowboys, for some reason, they're looking to rebuild. They have a young, they have a really young defense. They have a really young offensive line. And who knows what the Cowboys schedule is going to look like. We don't know if they're going to have the toughest schedule in the league. And if they do have the toughest schedule in the league, that's not going to be good for Dak. If you don't, you have to understand, because in today's age of football, in today's game of football, we're not like we're not bad. We're not in the 70s, 80s or 90s where it was all about defense. No, we're in 2021. We are everyone's now to quarterbacks now these days. So you need offense without no offensive line. You have to understand. Without no offensive line, you are your quarterback is not gonna deliver the ball, or somehow he can get hurt. 
or if that quarterback makes a dumb decision and tries to run into a huge linebacker and gets hit so hard, he gets the, I don't know, he gets the dream, he gets the wind knocked out of him. Dak Prescott, if he really thinks that Dak, we all know that, we all, we, everyone, Cowboys fans, I don't, I know Cowboys fans are not that dumb. Why would you want your team to sign a quarterback that didn't even get a chance to play on this, on his on his franchise tag, and now you want, now you want your, now you want Jerry Jones to, uh, extend his contract to four years, to forty million dollars? No, Dak didn't even get a chance to play. They're, you're gonna the Cowboys. They're gonna have to if they resign. So, what you're so what? What everyone's telling me that if the Cowboys resign Dak, they're going to get offense alignment. They're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna make sure that he's okay, to make sure that he's healthy, to make sure that he doesn't get hurt again. That's what you're telling me. Because. Cowboys, don't get me wrong. The Cowboys, they made some. They made some good moves. They brought. They got some good. Yes, you got C.D. Lamb. Yes, you got Tre'Davious. Uh, yes, you got Trevon Diggs. You yes, you got uh, Tyler Beardos, who was named one of the best centers in the league, and that didn't get you anywhere. Or unless you can find an All-Pro veteran in free agency. I, this doesn't make sense. If Dak Prescott signs, he's gonna. If he signs to a four-year deal, Dak will probably be thirty-one or thirty-two years old when that deal, when that whole extension, is over with. I don't understand this. I just don't. But let's see what happens. Uh, guys, there's a report today on on us. Uh, there's a report today on on NBC. I never, I not, I never get anything from NBC. This is actually, guys, my first time getting uh, a report f- from any sport from NBC. I, I, I'm usually on CBS Sports, but guys, uh, there's a report on NBC that um that the. Bear, the Chicago Bears, unlikely, they're likely to trade for Carson Wentz if he isn't all in with the franchise. Okay, so what's what what's this saying? Um, well, it's easy. Um, look it. One of the worst kinds of relationships is one way. Is a one way. Is a. I can't even talk today. One, you have to understand. 
One of the worst kinds of relationships is a one-way relationship. If all the work, energy, and passion is...